This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey all, thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Christensen, pharmacist, and we have got a heavy hitter for a drug today, drug called carbamazepine, and there is a ton of clinical pearls uh, with this medication. So uh, we'll just get right into it. Brand name of this medication is Tegretol, and its mechanism isn't totally well understood, and there's multiple possible mechanisms. I would say the one that's most commonly associated with uh, the use of this drug is it binds uh, sodium channels and alters uh, sodium transfer across uh, cell membranes, which can ultimately uh, slow down, prevent uh, action potentials from happening and synapses and things like that. So um, kind of a little bit more of a, a challenging uh, medication as far as the mechanism goes uh, because there is kind of so much ambiguity and it works in the brain which makes things uh, more difficult to research and, and understand but uh, that sodium channel aspect uh, does seem to be important. Uh, other things that, that it can potentially cause uh, can stimulate the release of, of ADH so we'll talk about that a little bit in the adverse effect profile. Uh, mildly anticholinergic as well. Uh, I would say in the grand scheme of things, that probably isn't a, a huge, huge deal. Um, but because uh, there are so many different side effects and, and boxed warnings with this medication. Now, getting into the uses in my clinical practice, probably the three most common I've seen Tegretol or carbamazepine used for is seizures, bipolar disorder, and trigeminal neuralgia. And it's, it's really a, a messy, messy drug as far as lots of drug interactions, which I'll cover. Um, so that's really why uh, you don't see a lot of uh, providers using this medication because there's so much uh, monitoring and, and potential for hazards along the way uh, with this medication. But obviously in a situation like seizures, bipolar disorder, or trigeminal neuralgia where you know, maybe we're limited in options and or it's a very serious condition, uh, you may potentially see it. I did want to mention target concentrations. Uh, usual target concentrations are 4 to 12 micrograms per mil. Now with that said, in something like epilepsy, this is uh, much more important. Um, to find kind of that target goal level of, of where we want a patient to be. Uh, in something like uh, trigeminal neuralgia, where, you know, you're treating pain and you're treating symptoms, obviously it's probably not that big a deal to find a, a target concentrations. Now, if you're recognizing some symptoms of toxicity, maybe some CNS problems, uh, some GI upset, things of that nature, uh, that might be a situation where you actually check a level. Um, but, you know, in, in trigeminal neuralgia, for example, ongoing routine monitoring of levels is going to be much, much less important um, than when you're treating uh, seizures with this medication. Uh, one thing that always comes up or frequently comes up on um, exams is 
carbamazepine is an enzyme inducer, and it can actually auto-induce its own metabolism. So it kind of stimulates itself, stimulates uh, the breakdown of itself until it, it reaches a, a steady state. But this auto-induction um, can take weeks, uh, maybe in the, the period of you know two to five weeks for this auto-induction kind of to uh, come to a steady state. So if you've got a patient that's maybe very stable after you know a few days or a week or something like that, it, there is potential that those concentrations um, could come down as kind of this auto-induction uh, ramps up a little bit. So what that means, uh, if a patient is starting on this medication and we're doing drug levels and monitoring for efficacy, whether it's reducing seizures or um, you know mood control with bipolar disorder, we need to have that close monitoring uh, within those, you know, maybe first one to two months, that type of thing. Now, adverse effects, uh, we've got a boxed warnings with carbamazepine. And so the first one's actually a genetic variation. So patients with the allele HLA-B1502, and I have seen that come up on test questions as well, uh, these patients are at risk for a severe skin reaction called Steven Johnson syndrome. So that's a, a good one to remember. Uh, also warnings on aplastic anemia, uh, also a granulocytosis. So uh, lots of things uh, to kind of unpack. And you could definitely understand how, you know, monitoring certain labs, uh, CBC and things of that nature uh, would be important with this medication. Now, toxicity, I did want to talk about a little bit. So, obviously, these, you know, box warning things can happen. Um, but in the realm of toxicity due to, too, due to too high of concentrations, I think you can think of it uh, very similarly to, you know, alcohol, phenytoin, um, those kind of toxicities where you're really going to have, you know, that CNS depression. Uh, maybe dizziness, maybe ataxia, you know, difficulty walking, you know, maybe nausea and vomiting, some GI upset, uh, confusion, things of that nature is what you're going to see if those uh, drug levels get elevated. Now, a couple other adverse effects. Again, I said this was a very dirty drug. Uh, I always think about hyponatremia. I absolutely have seen cases of SIADH and hyponatremia from carbamazepine. That risk tends to go up as we're on more agents that can also cause hyponatremia. You think about, uh, you know, loop diuretics or diuretics in general. Uh, I also think about SSRIs and medications of, of that nature as well. So definitely important to keep tabs on sodium with this medication. Uh, liver toxicity is possible. Uh, LFTs uh, are in with that CBC monitoring as well as the sodium monitoring, uh, an important aspect that you're going to want to follow. And along you know, with the LFTs that I mentioned, you got to think about other agents uh, that might be damaging to the liver as well. Obviously, in combination with another agent like carbamazepine that can cause some liver problems, uh, that's something to certainly uh, be aware of as you're looking at that patient's uh, maybe polypharmacy uh, medication list. So with that, let's take a quick break from our sponsor 
Uh, meded101.com slash stores, a proud sponsor of the Real Life Pharmacology podcast. Uh, if you love the podcast, enjoy the, the free material, uh, go support meded101.com slash store. Tons of resources. Uh, you can even get a couple free ones if you've never had an Audible book. Uh, so definitely go uh, check out those links. Uh, take advantage of that. If you're a pharmacist or a pharmacy student looking to, for board certification materials, absolutely that is a, a good place uh, to go check out what we've got at uh, meded101.com slash store. Drug interactions. So probably the biggest thing I think of with carbamazepine is it is an inducer and you always got to remember what an inducer is versus what an inhibitor is. So a CYP3A4 inducer is going to stimulate these enzymes in the liver to clear the body of drug or metabolize drugs more quickly. So if a drug, not carbamazepine, is metabolized by CYP3A4 and we use carbamazepine, that drug is going to basically be chewed up faster and its effects aren't going to last as long in a patient who is not on carbamazepine. So that's kind of a, a simple, uh, as simple as I can make it explanation um, to try to understand what happens to these drugs uh, that go through CYP3A4. And here's some examples. So apixaban uh, and rivaroxaban, also warfarin, so anticoagulants. So if those concentrations fall because we're using carbamazepine, that's a pretty big concern. You know, depending upon what you're using it for, you're looking at increased risk of DVT, PE, uh, potentially a, a risk of a stroke. If we don't have adequate uh, anticoagulant co concentrations to help prevent those strokes. So definitely a, a big deal there. Again, great example why we uh, try to steer clear uh, from using carbamazepine if we can avoid it. Uh, aripiprazole, lanzapine, a couple of antipsychotics I think of. There's anti-HIV drugs. So I think of the protease inhibitors as well as some, some other oddballs that um, can be uh, reduced concentrations and reduce the, the effectiveness there ultimately. Diltiazem, verapamil, again, a couple of medications. You may see them used for hypertension, may see them used for uh, maybe migraine prevention, maybe atrial fibrillation, a few different uses uh, you can use uh, that type of class for. Again, those concentrations could be uh, reduced by adding carbamazepine. Uh, some of the azole antifungals you got to think about. Uh, contraception, so estrogen contraception uh, could be... Uh, chewed up a little bit quicker, and that might leave a patient at more risk for becoming pregnant when maybe they don't necessarily want to be. Uh, so that's an imp important one there as well. Uh, also, some other oddballs, you know, hydrocodone, that's got some um, CYP3A4 metabolic breakdown. Uh, Tadalafil, another example uh, with the uh, phosphodiesterase uh, 5 inhibitors there, a uh, drug for erectile dysfunction. So very, very important to think about other drugs whenever carbamazepine. I think that's the, the bluntest, most simple uh, point uh, I can, can tell you. And I would encourage you, if you see this drug being used to uh, run an interactions check, look it up, 
and see what we're going to be affecting. Because if you've got a patient on three, four, or five plus medications and carbamazepine, odds are probably pretty favorable that one of them might be affected. So very, very important there. A uh, couple of things I, I did want to mention. So uh, grapefruit juice, so that is uh, known to be a CYP3A4 inhibitor. So this can actually raise concentrations of carbamazepine. So grapefruit juice with carbamazepine may put a patient at risk for carbamazepine toxicity. Uh, important to remember that one. Uh, I do want to, I mean, I kind of hinted at the, the uh, LFTs, you know, thinking about drugs that, that may cause liver function problems and you add on carbamazepine could be potentially an additive effect type of thing. And then I also think of uh, the SIADH, which I think I mentioned a couple examples there of other drugs that could um, cause that adverse effect and that low sodium as well. So that's going to wrap it up for today. Thanks for listening. If you love the podcast, found it helpful, uh, leave us a rating, review on iTunes. Greatly, greatly appreciate it or wherever else uh, you're listening there. Uh, get your free top 200 study guides, 31-page PDF, reallifepharmacology.com. Uh, that's simply for subscribing. You'll get that, and you'll basically get email uh, blasts as to when we have a new uh, educational podcast is what that list is for there. So support our sponsor, meded101.com slash store, and I am going to sign off for, day, for today. Thanks for listening, and uh, have a good rest of your day. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.